Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's 9.37 on Wednesday morning. Um, hopefully you're getting through your quiz uh, and making all the proper uh, research techniques that I talked about. Um, you have to the end of the week. So, um, although it's only a quiz, I, I want you to really concentrate on your writing skills, on your research skills, and on your interpretation skills. Uh, this all leads up to, uh, more than likely, uh, another quiz before your, fi- before your uh, final grade, uh, excuse me, before your midterm grade. Um, Today, I want you to um, just listen. You have no discussion assignment this week. I want you to concentrate on your quiz. I expect really good marks from all of you, since the only thing you have to do is work on your quiz. So let's do a good job. Saying that, uh, I am going to go over um, Chapter 3 today. I'll send another podcast out probably um, tomorrow or Friday on Chapter 4. And that'll take us up to the following week, which is the, the start of Chapter 4. Uh, chapter 3 is is this week. Uh, again, uh, no discussion assignment, but certainly... Um, some things that you should um, uh, take note of uh, on the important parts that I see that are important. Again, you know, you, you still read the whole chapter. There's no difference. But uh, I like to highlight some things that I think are uh, pretty important. So this chapter, chapter three, is uh, victims and victimization. What happens to the victims? When it's all said and done, what happens? I mean, we've seen some things recently with with uh, shootings and killings and things of that nature. And, you know, there's settlements and courts and there's money, uh, but there's death. What happens to those people? What happens to uh, all, the, all the people that have been uh, killed recently? Police officers killing black men. What happens to those families? What trauma do they go through? More than likely, there's going to be some kind of economic gain somewhere. But is does that really make a difference? It'll make a difference in your lifestyle. You'll be able to buy better things and maybe get a nicer home or a nicer car. Is that all? Is that all we want? Is there something else? Forget all these nice things. Uh, are we going to be going to therapy for the next five or ten years or more? So as I highlight some of these some of this information on chapter three, uh, 
I'd like you to understand it the best way you know how. And if you know someone, a personal or whatever circumstance might be that you have um, witnessed or been a part of, um, maybe, just maybe, you'll understand it a bit more. You know, in the first couple of pages of uh, chapter 3, talks about uh, the cost of this victimization and what it, what it costs our society. When we have problems uh, that, are, that are caused and we have victims. On page 67, um, Mark Cohen, a, a um, famous sociologist, uh, did a study, and um, he talks about, um, again, on page 67, about uh, a quarter of the way down, uh, how he determined the uh, typical career criminal and how much money it costs when criminals act in a criminal nature. $1.3 to $1.5 million in economic costs. A heavy drug uses $370,000 to $970,000 a year. And a high school dropout, $243,000 to $388,000. And he goes on to say, <clears throat> eliminating duplication between crimes committed by individuals uh, those examples would are both uh, heavy drug users and career criminals results in an overall estimate of lifetime cost for each chronic offender at 1.7 to 2.3 million dollars. So I mean we're talking about a scope of things here. We're starting off by talking about uh, uh, not the victims directly but how these criminals affect us, the society, how much money has to be paid. And where's that all that money come from? More than likely, some of it's come from your taxes. So, are we victims also, but we're not involved? Maybe in a way. Maybe in a way. He goes on to uh, talk about uh, five different areas of uh, which criminals have uh, a large bill that we have to pay. And I have a feeling I mentioned this before, but that's okay. Let's go over it. Uh, murder. Let's talk about murder. Eight million nine hundred nine hundred eighty-two thousand nine hundred and seven dollars. As an average amount, it cost us every year. Rape and sexual assault, $240,776. Burglary or robbery, households, $6,462. Stolen property, $7,974. What's amazing here is that um, 
according to this study by um, one of um, Mark Cohen's associates, a gentleman called McAllister, uh, the cost of society on an average murder is almost $9 million, considering that about 16,000 murders now occur each year. We're talking about $190 billion. Something to make a note of on page 67. Uh, and you're going to remember this, too. Uh, when this book was published, it was a couple of years ago. First publication was 2017. They republished it last year. But 2017, are the, are the prices the same? Is it more or is it less? Uh, we go on. Uh, I want you to pay attention to uh, post-traumatic stress on page 68, PTSD. It has uh, some interesting facts about um, post-traumatic stress disorder in relation to being a victim. Um, we go on to talk about... Uh, Legal Costs and Wrongful Convictions. It's an interesting piece on page 70, which is under the Policy and Issues uh, page of uh, Criminology. The Impact of Wrongful Convictions on Crime Victims. The Wrongful Convictions on Crime Victims. I want you to read that. How Wrong Convictions uh, May Affect a Victim and improving support for victims. How do those things happen? How does a jury come back with, a, with what seems to be obvious to us as a, as a dead-on guilty of someone raping someone, and it comes back not guilty? We don't have to go too far. If any of you know who O.J. Simpson is, he was convicted of, uh, he was uh, on trial for two murders. Two. Not one, but two. Found innocent. Blood stains in his vehicle, uh, driving off from the scene of the crime. Um, all things seem to point to O.J. Simpson, and um, the trial lasts for months, and he was found not guilty. Eventually, he went to jail, um, not on a criminal case, but on a, uh, on a civil case uh, because he had to give up a lot of money, and then he got into some trouble and uh, was in jail for a long time. He may still be there. I'd have to look that up. O.J. Simpson, you want to look up O.J. Simpson's criminal slash murder case, you'll find out all about that. So what happens to those victims? What happens to the people that were killed, supposedly, by O.J. Simpson, but their families? These victims are deceased now. But what about the 
victims of those people who are deceased? How about the family members? How about the close friends? Something to think about. So I want you to read that very carefully. Page 70, um, the impact of wrongful convictions on crime victims. Uh, characteristics of victims uh, you'll find on page 73, uh, gender, age. Um, important enough that you should understand uh, what the general theme of a victim is and how old they are. Their social status, their race and ethnicity, their marital status, physical and mental uh, traits. That's on page 76. Repeat victimization on page 77, which is an interesting one, actually. Uh, and I'll say, I'll, I'll read the highlight on this. Does prior victimization enhance or reduce the chances of future victimization? Individuals who have been, who have been crime victims have a significantly higher case of future victimization than people who have remained non-victims. An interesting um, few paragraphs that you might want to understand as best as you can. Let's talk about the lifestyle of some of these people. And on page 79, uh, part of the whole theory, which starts on page 78 of theories of victimizations, victim uh, perception and theory. Then on page 79, it talks about lifestyle theories. People may become victims because their risky lifestyle increases their exposure to criminal offenders. It's an interesting scenario. And you'd see a mark there of 77. I would go to the back of the chapter and find out where the author got that information. Victimization risk is increased by such behaviors as associating with young men going out in public places late at night and leaving and living in an urban area. Cities, staying out late. You know what our parents say, stay out late, there's going to be problems. Interesting how parents get in there. Uh, but the most important part of this is right below that in, in uh, highlighted red letters, uh, high-risk lifestyles. And I'm going to read this a couple of minutes, and um, it's important. Something important you should know. High-risk lifestyles. People who have, have high-risk lifestyles, drinking, taking drugs, going out at night, being away from home, living on the streets, having a much greater chance of victimization. One reason is that offenders have similar lifestyles. And being in close proximity to dangerous people increased chances of victimization. This is not rocket science. If you hang around with people who play in the mud, you're going to get muddy. Okay? Understand what that means. One reason that offenders have similar lifestyles 
uh, excuse me, teenage males have an extremely high victimization risk because their lifestyle places them at risk at school and once they leave the school grounds. They spend a great deal of time hanging out with their friends and pursuing recreational fun. Their friends may give them a false ID so they can go, they can drink in the neighborhood bar. They may hang out with, in taverns at night, which places them at risk because many f- fights and assaults occur in places that serve liquor. Research conducted in a variety of nations shows boys who have an active nightlife anytime after 6 p.m., who frequent public places and who consume alcohol significantly increase their victimization risk. Now listen, is this 100%? No, it's not 100%. More than likely, though. That's a research term. More than likely, which means more than 50%. So if you're out there and, you know, you're laughing at what I'm saying right now, and you're out there and you're with your buddies and you're drinking, and you're having a good old time, and uh, you have some friends that are involved in criminal activities, more than likely that there's something's going to happen. You're going to become a victim of those criminals, or you could become one yourself. So anyone who has that affiliation that is a risk taker, that, oh, yeah, I know that guy, you know, he deals drugs or he's an alcoholic or he's a drug addict and he's out at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Those are high-risk people, whether you realize it or not. And if you think I'm preaching, this is no preaching, you have to remember something. I've been a sociologist for a long time, but I've also been a probation officer. And I've been in the bowels of the court and have seen these people and have worked with these people. And it's sad sometimes to see victims continually coming into court. What is their problem? More than likely, they're risk takers. Finally, he goes on to say, exposure to violence and associated with violent peers meshes young men in a violent lifestyle that increases their own risk of violent offending. One way for young males to avoid victimization is to limit their male friends and hang out with the girls. Not sure you, everyone, every man wants to go hang out with the girls, but maybe hang out with a girlfriend or uh, a mixed crowd of males and females might be a better idea. Let's see. What do I want to do? Do I want to hang out with these guys that I know that are known criminals? Or do I want to hang around with these people, a mixed crowd of people that I know who have never been in trouble, females who have never been in trouble? Uh, Which one do I pick? This should not be a hard answer. Wake up, America. We have problems not only with crime and victims, but what victims are susceptible to. 
Let's step outside the box for a minute and understand that. I'd like you to read on page 8 of College Lifestyle um, and about specifically Florida State University and uh, Jameson Winston. Read about him. He's on page seven, uh, page 80. Be important for you to know. Uh, page 83, Crime in Everyday Life, uh, Routine Activities Theory that helps explain that why U.S. citizens suffer such high rates of victimization. According to uh, Dr. Felsen, who is a sociologist, again, crime began to increase in the United States as the country changed from a nation of small villages and towns to one of large urban environments because metropolitan areas provide a critical population mass. Predatory criminals are better able to hide and evade apprehension. After committing crime, criminals have blended into the crowd, uh, disperse their loot, and make a quick escape. As the population became more urban, the middle-class fearing criminal victimization fled to the suburbs. That's why we've had that move for the last 25, 30 years to people getting out of the cities. Why cities have lost population. Because of all the crime here, I'm trying to get away from it. Not that it's not in the suburbs. It's not like it's in the city. Okay? So understand that. And the... The research that supports this research, and this is also on page 83, research supports many fact, facets of routine activities theory. There is evidence that the convergence of targets, guardians, and motivated offenders can predict area crime rates for crimes such as robbery. Cohen and Felsen themselves found that crime rates increased between 1960 and 1980 because of certain reasons. And those reasons are the increase um, uh, the number of, uh, uh, because of the number of caretakers at home during the day. Guardians decreased as, ch- uh, as children in daycare um, were put in daycare, I should say. Homes are left unguarded while mothers work. Their kids are at school. They go to work. There's no one in the house. Criminals look. Criminals watch homes. They watch movement. They watch time lapses. They see that no one's home. They wait two, three, four weeks, and then they break in. So you're a victim, but you're a victim because of your routines. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to go to work. But maybe there's got to be some other way to uh, guard your home. And on pages 84 and 85, uh, you'll see uh, caring for victims and uh, victim service programs that are run through um, through 
cities and state uh, governments. Uh, we get to victim rights on page 89. This is interesting, and I want you to know what they are because of the influence of victims. It says here, rights, this is page 89, rights advocates every <coughs> in every state <coughs> have legal rights for uh, crime victims in its code of laws, often called a victim bill of rights. One, to be notified of proceedings and the status of a defendant. Two, to be present at criminal justice proceedings. Three, to make statement at sentencing and to receive restitution from a convicted offender. Four, to be consulted before a case is dismissed or a plea agreement is entered. Five, to a speedy trial. And six, to keep the victim's contact information confidential. Those are general rights in every state of the United States. So understand those and uh, be aware of what victimization is all about. There's, there's plenty of other information here in, in this chapter. I don't doubt that. I've read it. Read the whole chapter and make sure you understand it the best way you know how. But also make sure that you understand how victims actually become victims. I'm not cheering for the criminal here, but I want you to get the whole concept. Victims and victimization are very important in our society today, especially what's going on in our society today. I'll be broadcasting again uh, on, uh, as I said, on tom tomorrow or Friday on Chapter 4. And um, chapter four is involved with uh, what we call a rational choice theory. And I'll explain that and some of the highlights and some of the things that you should know about chapter four. When everyone passes in their quiz is when I will mark and give you a grade on your papers. Not until then. So it could be several days. Don't get impatient, please, for those of you who have already sent them in. I wait till everyone is done. You have to the end of the week. Okay. I will touch base with you again on, uh, on tomorrow or Friday on another podcast and then uh, have something closing for you um, on that date and... Uh, We'll start um, Chapter 4 on the following Monday. Thank you very much for listening. You have a great day. Talk to you soon. Good morning, everyone. 37.